Okay, this is part six of the series, Spirit of the Antichrist, the Gathering Cloud of Deception. And uh, each week we're uh, getting quite a few people from across the, the, the World Wide Web that are kind of watching and tracking with this. And we're getting more and more join kind of the community each week watching these uh, Bible studies. And so I wanted to uh, take a moment as we begin this week to kind of cover some stuff that we covered way back in week one and two. Just spend five, maybe five or ten minutes before we get into the substance of what I want to talk about today just by way of review. So remember, uh, there's a lot of information in the title of the series, The Spirit of the Antichrist, The Gathering Cloud of Deception. So what are we talking about? Well, we're talking about how the Bible teaches us that the spirit of the Antichrist is now already in the world. So at some point, uh, Satan is going to indwell the Antichrist. He's going to rule a one-world system, demand worship, oversee a one-world economy. And he's going to do that for about a seven-year period, a period of time the Bible calls the, the time of Jacob's trouble, the overflowing scourge, the tribulation, Daniel's 70th week, many of those things that we've talked about. Um, but notice that John says, even though the Antichrist is coming, he goes on to say, right now, many antichrists have come, and this spirit of the Antichrist is already here. Paul calls it the mystery of lawlessness that is already at work. So one of the things that people forget is that God is sovereign. He has a plan, a plan of the ages. He's working this plan out. But behind the scenes in the cosmic realm, there is this spiritual battle going on taking place between God, the eternal creator of the universe, and Satan who was Lucifer, who got kicked out of heaven. And once he got kicked out of heaven, he set his sights on this globe, and he wants to have the world for himself. And so what we often see in terms of everyday life, just going through the motions, raising our families, going to work, even going to church and things, we forget, as Paul very clearly reminds us in Ephesians 6, that there is a battle going on behind the scenes. So the purpose of this series is twofold. It's Broadly speaking, it's an end times series talking about God's plan of the ages and where it's heading. But more so, it's a, it's a caution against this gathering cloud of deception that is getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, we are leading up to a time of global deception. Now, the church will be rescued before the great and terrible day of the Lord. It doesn't mean we'll be rescued before things get bad. Things have been really bad for a lot of Christians for the last 2,000 years. I mean, persecution is widespread. We, we tend to, like we talked about last week, we tend to put our America glasses on and see the Scriptures through the lens of American exceptionalism. And the problem with that is we, we think that, um, we, we forget that there are more Christians being martyred and persecuted right now on planet Earth than there ever have been in the history of Christianity. And so, and we may have to face that ourselves. So nobody that I know in the traditional dispensational realm of theology, uh, which I am deep into, has ever taught that the rapture is a way to get Christians out of here before the suffering gets too bad. Not at all. That's a straw man. It's, a, it's not true. No one that I know teaches that. All we believe the Bible teaches is that we will be rescued before Daniel's 70th week, before the day of the Lord's wrath is poured out on the earth. So we may very well have to face some pretty tough times. Indeed, as we just look at the last six months. Um, by the way, is everybody enjoying their free uh, trial period of the New World Order? Just you know, <laughs> six months or so? Good. Um, so uh, we may have to face some pretty tough times. 
and so we want to basically take what the Scripture says about the Antichrist, and since the Scripture says that spirit of the Antichrist is already at work, we want to look, as Jesus said, look at the sky to discern the weather. We want to look at the landscape, look at the setting of the stage, and see what activities are out there that could be leading up to this time of global deception. So this is important for many reasons. One of the ones we talked about, again, this is just review, but Proverbs has a very important principle here. A prudent man foresees evil. And remember we said the word evil there just means trouble, difficulty, danger coming. A prudent man sees evil and hides himself. The simple passed on and are punished. We looked at a couple of paraphrases. One puts it this way. A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. Whereas the simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Or uh, Eugene Peterson put it this way. A prudent man sees trouble coming in ducks. <laughs> I mean, obviously that's a paraphrase, but uh, a, a simpleton walks in blindly and is clobbered. So we want to encourage people, particularly the church today, to get their head out of the sand, pay attention, and recognize what's going on, lest we be swept up in this tidal wave of deception. Now, uh, this is nothing new in human history. Satan's been trying to take over the world aggressively for, well, really for 6,000 years, but in earnest ever since the resurrection of Christ and the start of the church age. And so we've seen many times when Christians have been asleep at the wheel, most recently in modern times, World War II. How many Christians jumped on the bandwagon and blindly supported uh, Hitler and the Nazi regime uh, and, and ended up regretting it uh, for obvious reasons. So we haven't shown this chart the last few weeks, so I just want to always keep it in front of us. But this kind of gives us an idea of where we are in the flow of thought. So we live right here in what the Bible calls the last days. Uh, there can be no question that the last days is the present church age. I won't take the time to look at those verses, but we've went over those in previous uh, sessions of this series. But we're living in the last days. What we're talking about and what is coming are the end times. The end times will begin with the rapture and end with the eternal state, when Christ comes back to make all things new. He comes back first on the old heaven and old earth. We call that the millennium in fulfillment of prophecy. But after that thousand years, the old uh, earth uh, under the curse of sin is destroyed and God creates the new heavens and the new earth. And thus the Bible comes full circle to a pre-fall Edenic state. So God created man in His image, created all the earth in sinless perfection. We messed it up when we went against His war warning and ate the apple. Um, and then God has set in plan a redemptive uh, plan ever since then to bring things back to the way they were. So God is doing a lot of things in this plan, by the way. Sometimes we get narrowly focused on the individual eternal salvation of mankind. That's certainly a part of the plan. But God has a plan for more than just mankind. Remember, we are the, the crown jewel of creation. We're the only part of the created world in which He said we are created in His image. But we're not all. God has a plan for angels. He has a plan for demons. He has a plan for the earth. He's going to restore the earth and remove the curse of sin from the earth when He recreates it in sinless perfection. So this is kind of the big picture. We know after the rapture there's going to be chaos on the earth. Uh, I've got lots of materials available either on the resource table or at the Not By Works website. Books, DVDs, things that go into great detail about each one of these particular end times events. But out of the chaos, which this is one of the satanic uh, credos, is order out of chaos. A lot of times people will say, well, this makes no sense, J.B. Why do, why do the Luciferians want to destroy America? Well, they absolutely want to destroy America, and not only America, but the whole world. 
Their goal is to get the world's population down from 7.5 billion to 500 million. They want to destroy everything so they can recreate it in a Luciferian scheme where people will worship Him. And it's much easier to do that with less people. So it's a, it's a credo called order out of chaos. That's one of their marching uh, principles that they live by. Uh, also the Hegelian dialectic, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit, so I'll save that for later. So Satan and his co-conspirators are working hard to get ready for this final battle. Uh, so he said Satan is at the tip of the spear, Lucifer. He's co-conspire, his co-conspirators are demons and human agents, and this is what we call the Luciferian conspiracy. Each week, I've been showing you more and more quotes. We're up to 50 or more, and I've got several more today, from world leaders, famous people, going back in some cases centuries, just in an effort to show you that this is nothing new. This has always been hidden in plain sight. Uh, the Luciferians, another one of their codes is they have to tell you what they're doing. And they, they usually do it in plain sight, but you kind of skip over it, right? You don't really notice it, right? So there are lots of examples I could give you, but, you know, one of them is uh, the uh, pilot episode of a spinoff of um, the Twilight Zone, I think it was, uh, called The Lone Gunman was the name of the series. Well, it didn't, it never made it. It only had one pilot episode that aired, aired six months before 9-11. We just had the anniversary of 9-11 on uh, Friday. Um, well, you know, six months before this episode aired on NBC, I think it was, uh, in which the plot was Muslim terrorists hijacking American commercial airliners and flying them into the Twin Towers. Right there, plain sight. Go look it up. You can still get the episode on uh, Amazon Prime and Netflix. Uh, and yet, you know, you hear our government leaders stand in front of the cameras and say, nobody could have envisioned terrorists hijacking planes and flying them into buildings, you know. Never mind that the presidential daily briefing had on its cover a picture of planes flying into the World Trade Center. And the president was told one month earlier, the headline of the PDB was, terrorists determined to strike within the United States, within the United States. So don't, you, know, you just can't believe anything that you hear in the mainstream media. So they, their credo is they have to tell you what they're going to do. So it's hidden in plain sight. Uh, so I absolutely don't believe in conspiracy theories except the ones that are true. And we talked a lot about what a conspiracy is biblically. We spent a whole session looking at what the Bible has to say about conspiracies. It's simply two or more entities working together for nefarious means. That's a conspiracy. Uh, and the greatest conspiracy is the Luciferian conspiracy. Satan trying to conspire with his demons, one-third of the angels that fell with him when he was cast out of heaven, and human agents trying to take over uh, the world. So as we look at the big picture of God's plan of the ages, we are living right there in the last days, and this is called the last days precisely because that's what it is. In God's plan of the ages, the only age to come after the last days is the kingdom, the long-awaited, clearly prophesied kingdom age in which Christ will come back and sit on the throne and rule with a rod of iron in perfect peace and justice. We're not in the kingdom yet. Uh, go back and look at our my message I did recently in the series on Hebrews called The Future World Leader from Hebrews chapter 2. Uh, if you think we're living in the kingdom today, you're living in a different world than I am, and it's, and it's the world called non-reality, <laughs> because nothing about the way the Bible describes the kingdom fits with what's happening in the world today. So we are living in the church age. Uh, after the rapture, that's when God is going to full, complete the 70 weeks prophecy of Daniel, that 490-year plan that he outlined, the 483 years of which have already been fulfilled. 
uh, and the seven years await fulfillment. Uh, it's going to be at that time that the Antichrist himself, capital A, takes the throne. Right now there are many little Antichrists, little a, as John distinguishes in his letter, uh, and that's what we're talking about is in preparation for that. So what we've said is that because of the depravity of man, things are getting worse and worse, the Bible says, over time. 2 Timothy 3.13, evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. So when sin entered the world, from that moment on, uh, things have gotten worse and worse. Depravity is a degenerative disease. It does not get better on its own. And it will not get better until Christ comes back. It won't get better on an individual basis for everyone who's born dead in their trespasses and sins and needs a Savior until and unless you by faith trust in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who died and rose again for your sins. Everyone who believes that, the gospel message, is born again in that instant. And now you're no longer under the penalty of sin. You're positionally in Christ. But from a uh, broad world scope, in terms of the day-to-day -day time, space, and matter things that we're dealing with, you know, that the eternal penalty of sin is dealt with once for all when you trust in Christ. But we still live in a fallen world, right? Now, I don't know about you, but if God had left it up to me, I would say the minute we are born again by faith alone and Christ alone, let's beam me up right then. Let's go to heaven. Let's forget all this uh, terrible stuff that's going on on the earth. But God has a plan, and part of that plan is for us, His people in the present age, to be a light in this perverse generation, as Paul calls it, to fulfill the Great Commission. And uh, Peter tells us the Lord is not willing uh, that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. So someone asked the question a couple of weeks ago, you know, why is this going on? Why doesn't God just end it all right now? Well, it's because in His grace and mercy, He's, he's giving people time to believe the gospel. He is a just God, and you better believe everything He said is going to happen will happen. But in the meantime, he's, there's a universal call uh, that goes out. The Bible ends in Revelation with the, the invitation, Whosoever will, let him come drink freely of the water of life. And God is patiently waiting for people to come to faith. But at some point, that's going to end. And the first indication of that will be the rapture, when we are caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. So getting worse and worse means deception is getting worse and worse. In fact, the Bible explicitly says that, as I mentioned in 2 Timothy 3.13, evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse. So we look forward uh, to that moment. Uh, I don't know about you, but I absolutely believe in the separation of church and state, but it won't happen until the rapture, when we are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Okay? We think there's separation of church and state now. It's, it's not. You know? It's not. Uh, the government is controlling more than ever before in our own country what happens within the four walls of the church telling us when we can meet, how we can meet, what we can sing, where we can sit, how many people can come, what we have to wear. That's, that's what's happening today. Uh, so, we, in the midst of this series, uh, we're talking about seven manifestations of the spirit of the Antichrist. And we've, we're in week six, and we're still on point number one, because this is really the crux of the matter. Remember, the subtitle of the series is The Gathering Cloud of Deception. So I wanted to spend a lot of time on the first point, which is pretense. But man, I can't wait to get to phenomena. Uh, pride is almost done. Phenomena is done. Pride, I'm still kind of putting the pieces together. Power, I've got a lot of material already put together. Uh, but we're going to work through this over the next several weeks and months. And basically, again, all under the premise of what do we see happening today that parallels what the Bible teaches is going to happen exponentially worse during the tribulation days. And once we identify those things, A, we can protect ourselves 
Because remember, we're not guaranteed that the uh, rapture will happen before the one world system comes into place. All we're guaranteed is that we will be raptured before the Antichrist signs the peace treaty according to Daniel 9.27. So we could very easily all be living, if the Lord tarries is coming, in a one world, officially one world system. Now, de facto, we're already living in a one world system. I mean, let's wake up. It's a global world. But, uh, but officially, where there's literally one uh, explicit leader and, and national sovereignty is gone and all of that, we could, we could be there, possibly. Possibly. I'm not saying we will, but there's nothing biblically that that would violate if we did. All right, so now as we continue, uh, let me uh, kind of give you some new quotes. So some of these, we've, the individuals we've quoted before, but these are new quotes that I've not shown you before. Again, just trying to show you that this isn't stuff I'm making up. I'm not connecting dots. The Bible doesn't connect. I'm starting with what the Bible says and then just looking in plain sight at what has been being said for years. So Prime Minister uh, Churchill, after World War II, said, The creation of an authoritative world order is the ultimate aim toward which we must survive. Also after World War II, Charles de Gaulle, who helped rebuild the French Republic after World War II, said, Nations must unite in a world government or perish. Uh, James Paul Warburg. Uh, you may know the name Paul Warburg. He was one of the founders of the Federal Reserve in 1913, a, a bankster. And uh, so his father is Paul Warburg. James, this is his son. And uh, he said, he died in 1969, by the way, but he said, we shall have world government, whether you like it or not, by conquest or consent. Now, I had a hard time limiting the number of quotes from this next guy, but you may know the name is a big new Brzezinski. He was a key politician, served in both Republican and Democratic White Houses. He was a counselor first to LBJ. Then uh, he was Jimmy Carter's national security advisor. He worked in the Reagan administration and the Foreign Intelligence Advisory Board. He also was appointed by David Rockefeller to start the Trilateral Commission in the early to mid-70s. Brzezinski said that the regionalization, this is from his book uh, that he wrote in, uh, in 1970, I believe it was, Between Two Worlds. The, this regionalization is in keeping with the trilateral plan. Remember, he started the Trilateral Commission uh, at, under the direction of Rockefeller, which calls for a gradual convergence of East and West, ultimately leading toward the goal of a one-world government. National sovereignty is no longer a viable concept. See, in a one-world system headed by Satan, you don't have national sovereignty. You have one world. Right? And one leader. Now we know biblically that the satanic one world system is coming. But the good news is we also know that the perfect one world system under the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and Prince of Peace Jesus Christ is coming when he comes back at the end of that tribulation. Uh, so Brzezinski also said the technotronic era involves the gradual appearance of more controlled society. Such a society would be dominated by an elite who are unrestrained by traditional values, and in the context there he means of liberty and freedom, individual liberty and freedom. That's just a constraint. We need to get rid of that so we can, the elite can get on with their true plan. Brzezinski said, Soon it will be possible to assert almost continuous surveillance over every citizen. Remember he said this in 1970. Uh, and maintain up-to-date, complete files containing even the most personal information about the citizen. Okay, these are the bit buckets. If you haven't looked, heard that term, look that up. Uh, these are the fusion centers, like the one in Sandy, Utah. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, these things are being tracked. This is openly admitted and uh, on uh, in mainstream media. Uh, these files will be subject to instantaneous retrieval by the authorities. So he was—they were working on this plan decades before it actually 
uh, came about. Uh, so they can literally data mine anything they want. They can data mine anything I've said, including what I'm saying right now, and put it together to serve their purposes. Uh, he also said, shortly, the public will be unable to reason or think for themselves. Boy, if that's not prescient. I mean, he, he really saw that coming. They'll only be able to parrot the information they've been given on the previous night's news. Now, last week, if you haven't seen that one, go back and watch that video because we talked about Operation Mockingbird and the clear evidence that the media is state-run, state-controlled. It is not an independent media. Um, he said, persisting social crisis, the emergence of a charismatic personality, and the exploitation of mass media uh, to obtain public confidence would be the stepping stones in the piecemeal transformation of the United States into a highly controlled society. Do we see any of those things today? Persisting social crises, charismatic personalities, and the mass media? I mean, if you, if you study the untold hidden history of the United States, you understand that, frankly, most of our presidents have been a part of this theater. Um, but let's just at least acknowledge that there was a day when we were dealing generally, whether you agreed with their policies or not, dealing with statesmen in the Oval Office. But the last few, we, we've not had that. We've had, you know, reality TV stars. We've had, you know, uh, well, basically, MK Ultra uh, Manchurian candidates. We've had, um, you know, we've had uh, cowboys. You know, we've not had the true statesmen of days gone by. Uh, mass media. We talked about that last week. Persisting social crisis. Hmm. Uh, he, he said today. This is one of my most disgusting quotes of his, and my final one. He said today it is infinitely easier to kill one million people than to control one million people. Now, I want to really encourage you to come back next week uh, because I'm going to talk about the next pretense as we ask the question, have we been deceived? And I think it will it'll be an eye-opener for many of you. So, uh, here we are, the spirit of pretense, number one. How are Satan and his co-conspirators deceiving the world uh, today? We left off last week with the biblical admonition to search for and study and research the truth. There is value in studying it. Uh, we've got councils of knowledge and, and words of certainty and truth, and we need to study it. The Proverbs also says the heart of the righteous studies how to answer. Um, and even though much study can be wearisome, as Solomon told us in Ecclesiastes 12, it needs to be done. It pays good dividends. Um, so uh, Einstein, we said, reminded us if we knew what we were doing, it wouldn't be called research. So we left off last week with this little teaser uh, from July 30th of this year, headline article in Forbes magazine, do not do your own research, whatever, you, whatever else you do. Quit it. Stop it. Don't do your own research. Trust us. Trust us. And in the remaining parts of uh, this first bullet point under the series, uh, pretense, we're going to give lots of examples of why trusting us can really be dangerous can really be dangerous. So let me just give you a few unbelievable quotes from Ethan Siegel's article here, You Must Not Do Your Own Research. Quote, research both sides and make up your own mind. It's simple, straightforward, common sense advice. And when it comes to issues like vaccinations, climate change, and the SARS coronavirus, it can be dangerous, destructive, and even deadly. So you're not smart enough. 
you're not smart enough to do your own research. The techniques that most of us to use to navigate our decisions in life, gathering information, evaluating it based on what we know, and choosing a course of action, can lead to spectacular failures when it comes to a scientific matter. The reason is simple. Most of us, and then he tries to have some false humility here, even those of us who are scientists ourselves, lack the relevant scientific expertise needed to adequately evaluate that research on our own. In our own fields, we are aware of the full suite of data and how those puzzle pieces fit together. When laypersons, that's you and me, espouse opinions on those matters, it's immediately clear to us where the gaps in their understanding are and where they have misled themselves in their reasoning. Unless we start valuing the actual expertise, read mainstream media propaganda, that legitimate experts, again, the media, have spent lifetimes developing, then doing our own research, quote-unquote, could lead to immeasurable, unnecessary suffering. So stop thinking critically. Stop researching and studying. Just sit back and trust us, right? But what does the Bible say? The Bible says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Jesus put it this way, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Now, What is the fruit that he's talking about there? Many people misunderstand this passage and assume that it's talking about behavior. It's actually talking about just the opposite. He said, if you just look at a person based on what you see, their outward actions, you will assume they're sheep. You won't realize until you actually listen to what they say that they're actually ravenous wolves. How do we know that? Jesus tells us just a few chapters later exactly what the fruit is. He uses the same analogy again in chapter 12, and he says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. A tree is known by its fruit. Same thing he said in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7. What is the fruit that a tree is known by? How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So going back to what he said about the false prophets in Matthew 7, it makes sense, doesn't it? How are you going to identify a false prophet? By what they say. If what they're saying is wrong, they're a false prophet. It has nothing to do with behavior. So do yourself a favor, and, and it's taken me a long time to sort of break this habit too, but when we see people living in abject sinful behavior, Try not to flippantly quote, well, they're obviously not a believer. By their fruits you will know them, because that's not at all what this is saying. It's just the opposite. In fact, a more appropriate application would be people that look like they're living moral, godly lifestyles, but when you start to really pay attention to what they're saying, they're actually either wittingly or unwittingly an agent and co-conspirator in Satan's great last day's deception. So I want to show a little video clip here. Uh, about how Google is used to deceive Americans into believing narratives that advance the agenda of Satan and his co-conspirators. Uh, this video is it's only a couple minutes long. It exposes the Google blacklist. Maybe you've not heard of that, but an insider whistleblower exposed this. It talks about Google and its impact on the elections. In fact, part of the clip includes a Senate committee hearing. You'll hear Ted Cruz's voice. You can't. It's so small you can't see him sitting at the desk in this hearing room, but he's the one speaking. Uh, but a lot of pretty valuable information here in this clip, so let's watch this. The problem with all of this is the evidence is right in front of our face. And when confronted with evidence, we are told fact checkers are somehow transcendent. 
The pace of our modern world makes it nearly impossible for working people to research the events and policies that shape their lives. When seeking answers to life's most pressing questions, where do we go first? Google. Enter the subject, hit go, and there it is. Only what they want us to see. In today's culture of copy and paste journalism, it's common for hundreds of unrelated outlets to feature the exact same report. This is not the result of laziness. This is by design. When we see identical headlines across seemingly unrelated platforms, the logical mind concludes, well then, it must be true. The illusion that numerous news sources have arrived at the same conclusion gives us confidence to share the chosen narrative. And just like that, we become the unwitting pushers of propaganda. Search engines are the holy grail for those seeking to control the narrative. Google is already more powerful in terms of its control over people's lives than almost every government on the planet. As the most influential search engine in the world, through its ubiquitous reach, Google has more power to influence U.S. elections than any foreign nation. You testified before this committee. You said in subsequent elections, Google and Facebook and Twitter and big text manipulation could manipulate as many as 15 million votes in a subsequent election? And the methods that they're using are invisible. They're subliminal. They're more powerful than most any effects I've ever seen in the behavioral sciences. And I've been in the behavioral sciences for almost 40 years. The blacklists is something that Google said didn't exist. And they testified that under oath. And nothing but the truth shall help you guys. I do. Now, me as an engineer, I just did a search on Google's internal search engine, and guess what I found? It had blacklisted search terms like cancer cures. Why is Google deciding what people can and cannot search for? What was once an efficient tool for navigating the world of information is now a network for global surveillance, data collection, and social engineering. The spirit of pretense. Um, I, I quit using Google about 10 years ago and uh, don't recommend it. Uh, today I recommend DuckDuckGo as the most private search engine and it also allows you to get more information. The, the, the theory in, in Google that most people assume is that you type in a search, you're going to get everything the World Wide Web has to offer. Not true at all. Uh, type in vaccinations on Google and then vaccinations on DuckDuckGo. On Google, the first several pages are all going to be nothing but, you know, uh, how anybody that thinks vaccinations are dangerous is a wacko tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist. But the first several pages on DuckDuckGo are going to be credible data for you to make up your own mind and look at the research. It does not filter. Google sets up the filters. So, um, so that's kind of what some of that was uh, was talking about. So the question is. Uh, have we been deceived? That's what we keep coming back to. And if so, about what? And if so, you know, how does that impact our overall uh, worldview? Uh, the, the media right now is trying very, very hard to condition us to use the so-called fact checkers. Uh, I don't have time to, to show that clip, but there's plenty of data out there that shows you that all the so-called fact checkers are controlled. So why people would subcontract out the validation of truth to some party they've never even met or know. They just go to Snopes.com. Well, Snopes says it's okay. Well, it must be okay. 
Find out who really owns Snopes. <laughs> Find out what their agenda is, right? Look into it. Do your own research, critically. But this is a short uh, clip of some of the public service announcements that are out there, both here and uh, in abroad, warning against so-called fake news. Sometimes the news you find on the internet isn't real. It's what we call fake news. Fake news is when news, stories, or hoaxes are created to deliberately misinform or deceive. Still, recognizing fake news is hard. That's why it's up to you to be critical of what you see and hear online. What percent of the American people who see fake news believe it? 75%. If we are not serious about facts and what's true and what's not, then we have problems. Unlike fake news, real news goes through vetting by newsrooms with processes for mistakes. Editorial board and writers are disclosed. But nowadays, the term is even used to attack legitimate news organizations. Don't be rude. No, I'm not going to give you a question. I'm not going to give you a question. You are fake news. Go ahead. And this misinformation goes viral because it's shared, often by a relative in your WhatsApp group who passes it on just in case, or by a celebrity who amplifies it to their thousands of followers. Tech companies, media regulators and governments decide what happens when people start and spread misinformation. But ultimately, we're all responsible for stopping its spread. Check out our top tips for spotting and stopping misleading stuff online and think before you share. See, deception is very complex <clears throat> and it's very subtle. And so notice what they're saying in all these public service announcements. Many of them are geared toward children to capture their minds. It's like, you know, you can't trust what you see on the Internet. Uh, that's like saying you can't trust what you read in a library. I mean, think about it. I mean... A lot, an internet is simply a conduit of information. Obviously, there's a lot of junk out there. There's a lot of immoral stuff. There's a lot of untruthful stuff. There's a lot of bad information. But so, too, is there in a library. You don't walk in a library and blindly pick a book off the shelf and assume it's true. It could be written by atheists or Satanists or who knows, right? That's all the internet is, is a conduit. So for them to say that unless it's, you know, rubber stamped and approved, given a stamp of approval by <coughs> the mainstream media, you can't trust it because <coughs> we vet, you know, yeah, they vet all right through Operation Mockingbird and the talking points that, uh, that uh, the CIA gives them. So uh, several just screenshots here over the last uh, six months or so. This is from February. Uh, Britain allows the Internet to be censored, a major warning uh, for the U.S., Prime Minister Boris Johnson revealed new rules that will censor the Internet by publishing Internet, punishing Internet companies with fines and imprisonment if they fail to protect users from so-called harmful content, which means content contrary to the government-approved content. Uh, the new guardian of the Internet in Britain will be the Office of Communications, also known as Ofcom, that already regulates television, radio, and the postal service. Um, uh, YouTube quietly launches new censorship scheme designed to limit access to videos. Now, they've been doing this for quite some time, several years, but now it's just in your face. You know, and all of us probably know, maybe you've experienced yourself, people who've had their videos uh, or Facebook posts, you know, uh, scrubbed or, or, or labeled. Uh, YouTube is banning, this is from March, 
of 2018. YouTube is banning all gun videos in the latest censorship assault on liberty. Um, tech giants, mainstream media have all adopted a code of censorship to eliminate information they don't want the public to see. This is from January of 2020, so pre-virus pandemic. Um, uh, criticizing government through online speech will soon be a criminal offense under the dangerous new UN speech police rules backed by Russia uh, and China. Uh, YouTube declares war on life and liberty. Uh, the thought police begin the purge. This is from just last December, again, leading up to uh, the crisis that we find, the global crisis we find ourselves in right now. They've already begun purging accounts that they have decided have violate the acceptable thoughts. Um, and um, uh, here's one. YouTube issues new rule prohibiting any criticism of LGBTQ persons. Right? This was on December uh, 11th. Remember, who owns YouTube? Google. Right? Um, they published this in an announcement entitled An Update to Our Harassment Policy, and they explained how borderline content, including anything other than full acceptance of an agreement with the LGBTQ agenda, is now a punishable offense on this video platform. Uh, Big Tech is now banning all unauthorized comments. This is from November of 2019 about vaccines, including vaccine ingredients. They don't want you to know what's in these vaccines. None of your business. Just shut up and take the pill, you know. Big Pharma appreciates it. Um, censorship is about more than just politics, and that is absolutely uh, true. So here's the thing. Many Christians with our, that we talked about last week, our imbalanced view of American exceptionalism, tend to think that the depravity of man stopped at the shores of North America, that somehow the United States is a depravity-free zone, right? Intellectually, we understand the utter evil, sick, depravity of men like Stalin and Hitler and Pol Pot, but when it comes to our own leaders, oh no, there's no way that they would ever do something like that. In fact, even more than the United States being a depravity-free zone, it seems like Washington, D.C. is a tyranny-free zone. Right? That would never happen here. So the question that we're asking is, have you been deceived? How are Satan and his co-conspirators deceiving the world uh, today, and we're going to get into quite a few examples of uh, you know main, mainstream, just widespread lies that people believed for years. Everybody, we were taught it in schools until they were recently uh, exposed. Um, in Second Peter, uh, we read, "But there were also false prophets among the people." Notice even as there will be false teachers among you. Now, I, I was working, I don't even remember if it was my sermon or, or more about the spirit of the Antichrist for future presentations, but I was on one of those rabbit trails. You've done it in your own Bible study where you go to a verse and that brings up another verse and you follow that cross-reference to here. And I, I landed here, and even though I've read this verse many times, taught through it, I, it, it jumped off the page at me that there's a distinction being made here between among the people and the teachers among you. So I started thinking, well, 2 Peter was written in 64 A.D. So the church at that point was only 21 years old. You know. And so there really wasn't, you know, we tend to read passages like this <clears throat> and think, 
that, you know, we got to watch out for false teachers. You know, there are a lot of these televangelists and these other, you know, independent parachurch organizations and authors of books and radio personalities that are propagating false gospels and false teaching. And certainly in our culture today, there's absolutely no question that's true. But we're sort of inclined to read our current culture back into, you know, the early days of the church. They didn't have all that stuff. There were no parachurch groups out there teaching false doctrine. They were, it was the world and the church. That's the dichotomy. In fact, it was not till 250 years later when the Edict of Milan was passed in AD 313. Uh, the Edict of Milan was uh, an agreement led by uh, Emperor Constantine I in the western half anyway, and then Licinius, uh, who was kind of at that time in the Roman Empire uh, overseeing the Balkans, they met in Milan and they agreed to change the policies towards Christians. And the Edict of Milan, again, we're talking 313 A.D., so 250 years after Peter wrote, is when they gave Christianity legal status and a reprieve from the persecution. But it wasn't for another 70 years under the Edict of Thessalonica that the church became the official state church in Rome and and thus the rise of the Roman Catholicism. Uh, so, so what, what is going on here in Peter's statement? Um, even in the first century, the world was beginning to have an influence on the church. And for the last 1,700 years uh, since the Edict of Milan, Milan, this has been happening to the present day. Uh, so, you know, what Peter is guarding here against is There are false prophets, those that are saying lies, those that are lying to you for their own nefarious means. Sounds like a conspiracy, doesn't it? Uh, One of my former professors, uh, who's with the Lord now, said more than 30 years ago, quote, believers in all ages must constantly be on guard against this attack from lies. So, this is nothing, nothing new. They've been at this since the early days of the church, and they're out in great force as time is getting short. See, Satan, he doesn't know God's timetable, uh, just as we don't know it. But he, like us, can see the stage being set. And as we talked about several weeks ago, when we went over the angels and demons, demons are smarter than us because they're not subject to physical physicality and physical limitations of our physiology you know like when you're tired you don't think as well when you're worn out you don't think as well they don't have a physical body so they're always sort of sharp so they're highly intelligent they're not omniscient obviously but they're highly intelligent and so he looks at the setting of the stage and just as you know we we see things rapidly heading towards a one world system he sees that and he thinks wow i've got to ratchet it up we're going to see the, some of the ways he's ratcheting it up when we look at phenomena and power and, and perversion and some of those things in a moment. But uh, back to 2 Peter 2.1. Notice he says, these, peop- these false prophets from among the people will secretly bring in destructive heresies. Now, heresies means something different to us than it did in the first century. It's a, literally a transliteration, letter for letter, of the Greek word hierases, which in classical Greek simply meant schools of philosophy. We think heresy and we think something within the church that is outside the bounds of orthodoxy, right? A heretical teaching, right? Denying the virgin birth, denying the deity of Christ, those types of things. At the time, it just meant a worldly philosophy that was contrary to the truth. 
So the question is, what secular schools of philosophy have infiltrated the church today and blinded many of its members? Peter goes on to say, by covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. Deceptive words. Satan and his co-conspirators have long uh, seen the church as fertile ground. You know? Why do you think, for example, the Mormons, who, which is a satanic organization, don't show up at a Bible-teaching church like, say, this one or any church that holds firm the Word of God as the inspired truth? Why don't, why don't they show up here on Sunday mornings while the pastor is expositing the Scripture and say, Excuse me, uh, can I have a word with your body? No, they go door to door to find those Christians, typically on Sundays, by the way, who are out of church, not being taught the word, susceptible to deception. They all, that Satan has long tried to exploit the weaknesses of weak believers and unbelievers that are a part of a Christian community. And so he's tried to co-opt the church. We saw this with the World Council of Churches. Um, uh, we see this with the National Council of Churches. We see this with ministerial alliances. I, I quit going to ministerial alliances 20 years ago, uh, or more maybe, uh, because they're a waste of time. Uh, I, I, there was a lady at my previous church who really wanted me to go to these. I went one time just to say that I did, and I remember sitting right next to a lesbian, uh, a female preacher, and on the other side was a Catholic and then over, who you know believes Mary is God and those types of things. And over here was somebody else, and we're all sitting here talking about how to make the world a better place, and I'm thinking, why in the world would I want to spend one minute of my time with these people? And so this particular lady kept pushing me to go, and finally I just said, you know, I went, and I don't find it helpful. <laughs> Sorry, you know. Uh, but this is the world that we live in. It's a pluralistic society which is key because Satan is going to use pluralism to bring everybody under a one-world system after the rapture through the influence of the Antichrist and the false prophet. There's a popular phrase in these postmodern pluralistic times that goes like this. Can we just agree to disagree? Make a mental note. I hate that phrase. So try not to say it around me because I might grimace. I'll be kind, but I'll grimace. I think what we really need are more people with the courage to disagree to agree. That's what we need, people to stand firm on the Word of God, right? But this has been, you know, building and being, you know, brought into our mind over several years. The news, this Newsweek cover, the de decline and fall of Christian America, that's from 2009. The Time article, What If There's No Hell, again, cover article from 2011. Apostasy at first seems to be only a lane change, uh, but before you know it, you're, you're caught, Christianity Today talks about how we can worship Jesus in the mosque. If you want to know more about Christianity Today, just ask me offline. I still value my life, so I won't uh, talk about it on record here. Um, Rob Bell, very popular author. Uh, I have actually rubbed shoulders with him one time. He, uh, he wrote the book Love Wins, There Is No Hell, We All Go to Heaven in the End, and of course the Gospel According to Starbucks. But remember, the Bible, this is not a surprise, reminds us that in the latter days, in latter days there means the last part of the last days, will depart from the faith, giving heed to what? Deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That Luciferian conspiracy comprised of demons and human beings. The time's going to come when people will not endure sound doctrine. 
and instead will be turned aside to fables, which is why the Bible says, come out from among them and be separate. And it's getting harder and harder to do that, yet at the same time more and more important to do that. So ask yourself, where do you get most of the important information in your life that influences your decisions? Where do you get it? And is it validated by God's plan of the ages and the truth that we find in the infallible Word of God? Paul put it this way, uh, Note those who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you've learned and avoid them. Again, we tend to read this as if it's in the church. But this, the church was only 23, year old, 23 years old when Romans was written. There wasn't a lot of false doctrine people you know, teaching in their Sunday school classes, you know, false teachers. This was people that were espousing truth that was contrary to God's Word. So, have you been uh, deceived? So, that's uh, all of the time for today. Uh, I'll be glad to stick around. we got 15 minutes before the worship service. If you have some questions, I'll be glad to answer those one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. But let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, the reminder in your word of this uh, heavy, serious deception. Lord, how we pray that you would give us eyes to see. Help us to saturate ourselves with your word so that we can spot the counterfeits a mile away. Lord, we thank you for this time. We ask your blessings on the service to follow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.